welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. One of my favourite comedians, Desiree Birch, joins me on The Divorce Social. I fangirl a lot. I mean, I'm sorry, but she's awesome. And I get to call her a friend, which is also lovely. Uh, I'm so glad she was able to join us on the podcast to talk about leaving a long-term relationship, sex, having sex with new people and being excited, but then also getting a little bit bored of that. Uh, Talk about being a comedian. And we also talk about the show Too Hot to Handle, which Desiree voices. And we talk about all the lessons she's learned about relationships from that show. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. It's a kind of Love Island style show. If you're into those shows, you'll probably like this. And with a mix of Americans and uh, British contestants as well. But I just love Desiree and we have lots of laughs in this one as well as always talking about the deeper stuff too. I am joined by the lovely Desiree Birch, comedian, performer and content creator. Welcome to The Divorce Social. Thank you so much for that lovely, warm introduction. I feel like I'm someone I'm not, but that's kind of the biz, isn't it? You do do all those things. It's true. It's true. But how does it feel me welcoming you to The Divorce Social? Well, I guess everybody goes through this. I mean, if they've been divorced, then it's easier if, like me, I've never been married, so I've never been divorced, but I have been through a breakup, I guess a notable one. I mean, the other things aren't uh, breakups, they're just guys being shit. But (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So how long ago was this uh, particular breakup? So we would have broken up in 
2017. Where were you in your life in 2017? Like, what was going on for you? Where were you in the world? Well, I was here in the UK. Basically, I did my show Unfuckable at the Fringe that year. And I drove up sobbing because I knew we were over. And it's something about being in transit. Like, I do the most crying on trains and then followed by that planes. Um, yeah. Like, any film on a plane that's remotely, you know, sad at all. There is something about, you know, the uh, distance between your body going high speeds and your spirit going at slower speeds that, like, lets you take it all in. And so I drove up, like, just crying. Because, uh, yeah because I just knew. And then we didn't break up until I came back. I mean, it's weird because I think we're both the kind to expect to get broken up with or left. So I was in the position of doing the breaking up, even though we both knew it was done. He was like, well, what do you want to say? Because I think he needed me to do it. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that with my relationship of there was sort of a little bit of like that conversation started and then no one would make the final decision. And then you're going through all this turmoil. And what was it like for you for that month being a fun, happy comedian, making people laugh at the (laughs) Edinburgh Fringe 24-7 and also having the back of your mind, my relationship's going to shit, presumably. I have been pretty good at compartmentalizing from a young age. So (laughs) it wasn't the worst because the fringe is so all consuming, particularly that one, because that was the one that sort of launched everything. Like, then everyone was like, you're doing it, you're making it. And I'm like, really? Because I'm dying. This is horrible. So, you know, it was one of those things that like had to happen, but someone had to initiate the conversation. And I can't remember, but I do remember him being like, so what do you want to say at the conversation? I can't remember which one of us was like, we need to talk. But it was obvious, you know, and it was so interesting because I was sort of rising in one part of my life and having to let go of this weight on another part of my life. And this relationship was a lot more than a weight. But in this particular metaphor, that's how it is is serving at this point, because you know, you always break up too late. Like, I mean, not too late, but far later than you should have. You always you always leave it, you know, just to be sure that you can't stand the other person or your life anymore the way you're living it. <laughs> no one's like, I'm going to preempt this. Let's break up. Like, but, you know, if that person does that, that's amazing. But I bet they're like a psychopath in the rest of their lives. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like you're always like, so miserable just before you break up like you've left it to the point of no return before you do yeah I guess you want to be sure yeah exactly it's really interesting talking about this success when you're going through a terrible time because yeah I do remember as a fellow comedian that show being like your like amazing year and everyone was talking about you in Edinburgh and like your show was going so well and and that stuff behind wasn't and and I remember when I was getting divorced, I was in Magic Mike mm-hmm. and, you know, doing this big show in the West End and everyone was like, oh, wow, you're living the life. And then I was also like going through a divorce. Why does that happen to us? I mean, it might just be that, you know, sort of it never rains, but it pours type of rhythm to life that it's um, easier in some ways to have these massive intersections where all of these things are happening at once just to kind of get them done. I also think that 
a lot of times the friction becomes too much. The friction or the sort of, I don't know, fission is the, the pulling apart of these things, of where you were and where you're going, you know, and also the pulling apart of paths between you and this other person where the road is diverging to a point where you can no longer see them running parallel to you, you know, and you can also see this vista in front of you. And so I don't know why, uh, but I feel like it's the most efficient way for any sort of sensible universe to deal with things is to get them all out of the way. Having said that I'm very good at compartmentalizing things, I don't believe it's a great way to exist, live, or really thrive. And, you know, you can't have certain things going on in one part of your life that are so extremely good and other things that are so extremely bad without, like, an explosion occurring. So I guess that's sort of these times where change occurs. It's just kind of like it has to be this sort of big bang and you need opposing forces, I I guess. I don't know. I'm going to pretend that's physics. I have no idea. <laughs> I like it. I'm imagining like the extinction of the dinosaurs and the start yeah. of a new age. Like that's how we see this period of change. Pretty much, yeah. But do you think there's also something in that when you know something's ending, the reckless abandon of well, everything's shit, so I'm just going to go for it. And then one area of your life starts to go really well, like your career, because you're just throwing caution to the wind. Well, I think you're both throwing caution to the wind and you're throwing any life left in you into the avenue in which it's free to operate, you know, because if your relationship is a roadblock, you have to throw that into something. Otherwise, it's just hopelessness. So, yeah. And yeah, you're right. There is a certain kind of reckless abandon that makes you a lot better at um, being a performer uh, in a certain way, um, you know, for sure, that that allows you to push yourself to places that you may otherwise, you know, fear to tread. I'm always interested in how other performers like deal with these periods in their life. Like there's the thing we all say of when something bad's happening, we're like, well, at least it'll make great material. Is that the way you process kind of trauma and grief? Like how soon do you start writing? Uh, I don't start writing very soon. Um, I'm not that person. And, you know, respect to the comedians who can do that. I think that's one way of dealing with things. I don't think that it actually deals with the problem in your life. Uh, I think that it's like throwing a bunch of spaghetti on the wall and it all sticks and everyone's like, look at what I made. And that's cool, but you still have to go home to your problems. Like grieving something often comes out way later. And maybe the material has come before, but usually when something horrible is happening, I'm just trying to survive, which means I'm doing material about stuff that I'm pretending is present that isn't. So I can have a screen for me to figure out what the fuck I'm doing. But, you know, like just be the woman behind the curtain until the next string needs to be pulled. Like we pretend that comedy is therapy and it's not therapy in the sense of us really expiating the demons from the the material we're talking about as much as it is being around people who are listening and accepting what we're saying like i think the act more than the words uh is the therapy yeah also in some respects i think when i was going through my divorce it was nice to be on stage with people looking at me because I was yeah. getting attention from someone because <laughs> I wasn't getting attention from my ex anymore. Yeah. So there's all of these, I feel like all the divorced people listening are now going to be like, oh, okay, I need to be a stand-up comedian. That's what the, <laughs> the I mean, I, it wouldn't hurt. I bet you if you go and did a couple of open mics, if you're coming out of a relationship, you probably would find it fun. 
it probably would help you get some perspective on it. And you'd probably uh, more so than comedians who should realize this, realize that comedy is not your calling, but it's very useful (laughs) 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 to like talk about personal things and to find people who relate to you through personal things. Because I would imagine, you know, uh, having not gone through a divorce, but having gone through a breakup, I have no concept of how uh, much the, the sort of it exponentially grows in grief or pain or anything else when it is a bond like marriage versus something that isn't, you know, my uh, ex and I were together for four years. But, you know, there is there is something about like the the not being alone, you know, although interestingly, there were times in my relationship when I was more alone than I've ever been in my life, even on my own, you know, like there's nothing quite as alone as laying in a bed next to someone and feeling profoundly alone. Like, you know, untouched, unloved, the whole thing. And you're like, this is the worst thing ever. Like, all the times when I was crying about being single do not compare to this feeling right now. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. Also, I just want to say your experience of breakup is very valid and there is no competitions in the breakup (laughs) divorce world. Everyone's welcome. Um, But yeah, yeah, no, totally. I, I think I've spoken on the podcast before about crying in bed next to my ex while he slept and just feel yeah feeling utterly alone oh they sleep like babies they sleep like little infants who have just been put down with a lullaby don't they (laughs) as you're like quietly drowning in your own tears you know a silent cry is the worst yeah or even gasping for air they still don't wake up (laughs) <laughs> yeah and you feel like you're shaking the whole bed like how yeah. can you sleep through this like i'm shaking the house at this point how can you sleep through this and they're like oh finally a woman's tears will put me <laughs> to put a me dream straight state. to sleep so you said you um you waited a while after your breakup to write material about it and you obviously compartmentalized it when you were in edinburgh so then what happened when you got home so i get home We have the conversation not too long thereafter. You know, I think I, you know, I mean, I got home and I probably, you know, like slept for the, you know, better half of a week or whatever. But, you know, we did sit down and, and, you know, we'd had such a disengaged relationship leading up to that, that we could go days without necessarily like speaking like I mean we'd speak but like you know that kind of cursory just sort of like getting by kind of thing housemate and I yeah but you know we basically had a conversation he went ladies first basically <laughs> it was like okay well like, oh thank you so nice of oh, you oh thank you yeah <laughs> so yeah so gentlemanly but um wherein I essentially said that you know I think we can both agree that our paths are diverging You know, like, I don't harbor ill will towards you, but, you know, like, there are things that I need that are not unreasonable that you can't or won't, you know, provide in the relationship. And I presume that there are things that you need and want that I just am not capable of doing. But, I mean, I still very much care about this person, you know, and they're a part of my life, but I just... You know, I was just like, I can't, I can't go down with this ship. And like, that's the direction it feels like it's going to me. Yeah, it was funny. I think we had, I think we had like, we had one conversation uh, at home and then we had another one at a pizza express. I think. Sure. Was it in Woking? (laughs) 
I was Prince Andrew. <laughs> yes, there. exactly. <laughs> uh, everyone was sweating. Um, but uh, now, because we lived in Croydon at the time, so it was like near that, like the big uh, IKEA park. We went to that Pizza Express. I mean, they should put that the Pizza Express, a place to bl- break up. <laughs> A place for all your difficult conversations. Uh, A a, a place to end things, (laughs) one way or the other. Also, pizza. We should say that we have no ill will towards Pizza Express and many other pizza. pizza. Like, yes, I mean, I mean, I, I guess I can't promote or denigrate Pizza Express. They are a pizza (laughs) chain. Other pizzas are available. But also, like, God bless a Pizza Express. Do you know what I mean? Like, love them. Yeah, that's why we went. I mean, the thing is, like. If you're going to feel sad, you may as well be able to eat. Like Melted <laughs> cheese and sadness. No. I'm just saying, yes, I've cried. That is not the first pizza I've cried over. <laughs> it's a, Why is it's a pizza quite a, such a cry over food? It's such, I, I don't know, there's a presumed absorbency and it's also kind of like an edible blanket. So there's like yes. a, there's a circle of comfort, which is a song that Elton John should have written. Um, that is provided <laughs> when you're set over pizza. You said you had one conversation at home and then one conversation in Pizza Express. Which do you consider as the breakup, the Pizza Express The one? one at home was the breakup. The one in the sort of at the dining room table was the breakup. I think the Pizza Express one was, you know, I don't know. I've never gotten it all done in one. So there were probably things lingering, but more importantly, there were like logistics. You know, I didn't wind up moving out uh, for quite a few months after that, actually. So the rest of the autumn was me sleeping in the second bedroom for the most part, which is fine. And I I already kind of done that. So, you know, when I when I would do like runs of shows and I would get home late, I would just go and sleep there as opposed to like interrupting. So it was just easier to kind of continue doing that. And it's so weird because it very much mirrors, uh, you know, the relationship my parents had at a certain point. It was like the same thing. And I there were so many things that happened in that relationship where you kind of understand all of the um, psychology books about transference and how all these things happen and how these patterns happen. And you you've kind of, you know, it's just like there's so many there's so many things that my mother was like, don't ever let this happen to you that suddenly were happening to me in this relationship. Cause I was just like, why would that ever happen to me? You know, and being in a relationship in which I was necessarily at first, the first part of it dependent on someone else put me in a position that I hated, that was awkward, that didn't make me feel secure, that compelled me to work super hard so that I could, you know, to one, get a visa that I could actually work in this country as a comedian and then to work super hard to try to make a life of that. And it was always this sort of push and pull of my star rising and our relationship fracturing. But I think that that initial fracture had happened before any of it. It was just sort of like a matter of it evolving into what it it became. So was he the reason you came to the UK? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, when I moved in 2015, it was because we reconnected. And, you know, uh, this sort of long distance uh, love affair, whatever, had, had, had kicked up. So how do you feel about that now? that he was the reason you came over here. Great. I feel great about it. Do you know, like, I I was 35 at the time. If I was ever going to move somewhere for love, that was the time because the older you get, the less you're going to 
you know, drop your whole life. But I was ready to do that because I had been needing to drop my life. To this day, it feels a bit like just, you know, serendipity, providence, whatever you want to call it, really is because this ultimately very uh, kind person who wasn't the right person, who was a good person, uh, especially for me to learn what I really want and need in a relationship because I really hadn't had them before. You know, I'd had lots of like whatever, you know, friends with benefits, you know, random fuck boys and just like other hookups. Like I didn't have anything that was two people trying to grow together uh, because it's extraordinarily difficult to do in New York City. And also it's extraordinarily difficult to do when you have um, quite wobbly self-esteem, to be honest. What did you do in the aftermath of that? Because you say about your wobbly self-esteem. In the aftermath of that breakup after the Pizza Express incident, Mm -hmm. which I think is actually a good idea to go to like a neutral place to discuss like what's going to happen practically work out the term good tip yeah go to future <laughs> express what did you do after that to help you recover i mean it was difficult to do anything much until i got out of the house then I moved. I moved into a flat share uh, that, you know, in a different part of town with better lighting. It was the uh, better trains <laughs> and, you know, a roommate who had a cat and all of those things are great. <laughs> um, and I don't think that I did particularly healthy things because I persisted in just working really hard. Which is, you know, which is a way to avoid lots of things. It, it kind of kept me going on sort of like, it's fine. And, you know, I knew it was going to be this way and it's fine. And, you know, we haven't been really together for a while. So I've been processing this this whole time. And I have a friend who's going through a divorce now who says the same things to me. And I just go, uh huh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's a wonderful lie that you tell yourself because I, you know, wound up actually processing it after, you know, like, Fucking a couple dudes because you need to do that just to remember that like your body works and that it deserves like sex um, and and pleasure and companionship and all those things. I had a full sexual explosion, which I good. talk about heavily during series one and two of this podcast. Oh, good. <laughs> That's great. important. I, I, I honestly think that that is important and valid. It is very important for you to rediscover your body on its own in the space with other bodies and to fully try to cauterize the wound. <laughs> You know, like, like seal things up by like moving in a different direction. You know, it's, it's does require a lot of mindfulness about, you know, you're going to go to some dark places with yourself, but it's all about if you can recognize in the present moment that this has gotten to a dark place and then you can stop. Like, you know, you we're, you're going to push it too far, just like we're all going to wait too long to break up. I mean, I would have pushed it further if I'd had a uh, means and opportunity, but there were things that those partners brought up in me about that relationship but it wasn't until I tried dating this dude that was like a legit like I'm interested in dating you and it was complicated and whatnot but uh he's a Gemini which means uh it was over over after a month because that's what happens with every Gemini I've ever dated in my life oh wow good tip (laughs) (laughs) for me it's a month of beauty and then just poof (laughs) <laughs> you know. What star sign are you? I'm an Aquarius. So okay. you would think it would work. We're both air signs. But yeah, yeah. But I think that doesn't work, does it? Yeah. 
Exactly. So that whatever it was, that month of dating, and I don't know if there is a word yet, German or otherwise, for that relationship that isn't a relationship. Uh, It's a heavily emotional relationship, might be sexual, might not be sexual, but that like goes really intense, really deeply, really quickly and leaves you voided when it's gone. That was this person. And it was like everyday constant, like white on rice, like, you know, we're talking all the time. We're going through his, he's got some trauma he's dealing with with his family. You know, I'm suddenly, you know, the person he's talking to all the time. And, you know, while this is happening, you are under the mindset that you are, you know, going further down the primrose path of like love and relationships and not being emotionally used. Um, But at the end of it, I was upset about him. I was upset about my ex, like all of it. Like it was that relationship that helped me to go, oh, I'm not over this one iota, you know, and I actually haven't you know, had a chance to fully process it. Like it kind of came up with like one or two of the boys before, but it really hit home after I was just gutted after this like month long, uh, not even fling. Like we didn't even hook up, you know, we just sort of like dated and maybe it was going to go there and it was all like handholding and possible romance leading to nothing. Um, But that was the thing where I kind of was like, oh, I haven't actually processed this at all. And, you know, as far as functional things, like, I don't know that there were loads of them, uh, to be honest, you know. I mean, I think I definitely started investing a little bit more in, I hate the phrase self-care because it sounds like taking a bubble bath and getting your nails done, but uh, it can also be sort of things like trying to set up a physical practice or, you know, a spiritual practice or, you know, things like that. Like once I moved on my own, it's been helpful to like have a regular gym to go to with a trainer that I see and like punch things with and like, you know, like, like hitting sort of progress from all of these angles. And by progress, I just mean like trying to get to more of what is essentially me. And that has taken some time, but I think it was what led to me being able to actually find love after that because I needed to reevaluate, like, you know, that thing they say, like, ask the universe for what you want, whether it's in a partner or anything else. And I had done that before I met my ex. And after we broke up, I realized I hadn't asked for enough. Uh, I needed to get more specific. <laughs> so I did that. But even it, within that, at some point, I had resolved to just be single forever. Like I, right before I met my boyfriend, I was like, yeah, I think that I'm, there isn't a lid for every pot. And that's cool. And if I kind of call off the search team now, I can stop wasting so much time and and desire, like, you know, wasting time on want and feeling empty because of that want or because of some need and realizing that I don't need anything or anyone else and actually searching for that in myself. So I think that helps because anytime a guy sees you happy on your own, he's like, oh, I got to get in here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want a piece What's of going that. On? <laughs> what are you doing? What's happening over here? It's like going to a pub and reading a book or writing in a journal. It's like asking for every asshole in there to come and talk to you and be like, what you writing? What, what you reading? It's like, fuck off. I'm doing this because I don't like people and I do like booze. What don't you get about this? I think it's funny because everyone, well, lots of people that I've spoken to, and I think I've had that realization too of being like, I might never meet anyone. 
and and you sort of accept it at some point and and actually it sounds horrible but it's actually a lovely thing it feels like relief yeah it is a relief and it's also like when you get to the place when you are like your own sustainable universe that's the point at which someone wants to like pop into your universe you know but yeah it's really comforting to hear that everybody else got to the like oh I'm I'm going to be alone and but there's so much about our upbringing in our society that tells us that there's a problem with that and getting it, it takes a lot of understanding and discovery and realization and acceptance to get to the point where you're like it's actually okay like I actually quite like myself and my space and spending my time the way that I want to and and having time to spend with friends and you know and I and it's actually nicer not to hope, like not to sound super Buddhist about it, but a, a little bit, you know, it is such a relief to be hopeless in that regard at some point of just be like, I'm not searching. Yeah, stopping the search is very relieving. It's like getting into a warm bath and painting your nails. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I think that the interesting thing is when you decide that, like I had a moment of like, I might just be on my own. But I'm happy on my own. So cool. But then how do we deal with the outside world, which sort of doesn't seem to want us to be happy on our own? Yeah, I mean, it's it is difficult. I think you do have to find your camaraderie, whether it's in other single people, whether it's in, you know, authors or people who talk about that, whether it's just in Netflix. But like, I think it's important to have the right support network of people who just honor you for what and who you are. A lot of people's mothers aren't that support network, unfortunately, you know, because they are offloading and projecting a lot of their own fears onto you, you know, when you're fine being on your own. And they're like, oh, well, you're never gonna do all these things that, that you don't actually want to fucking do. Uh, <laughs> so watch well, out. Like, I want grandchildren. Hurry up. You're like, that, what, what? No, you might never get them. I've got a dog just like the yes. dog. Yeah. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
It's the ad break, so it's a perfect time to remind you to hit subscribe to be notified about more episodes. You can also leave us a lovely review because honestly, it makes a difference to the chart positions. And one time, I was in the charts next to Michelle Obama, and I was really thrilled about it. So it'd be nice to do that again. Uh, you can also join in the conversation on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Divorce Pod. We have a website thedivorcesocial.com and you can also join us for our like 90s style divorce chat room experience over on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S and it starts at £2 a month and we all have lovely and awful and amazing chats. See you there. And having gone through all of that and the like recovery of it and now having found love again, which is lovely yeah. to hear. What's it like in your current job, which many people may know right now, which is voicing a show about sex and love too hot to handle? What's it like watching other people go through that? after your experiences? It feels similar to when I did test prep and tutoring because I was tutoring teenagers around their junior year of high school, so 16, 17. And there was something about doing that that was very healing for me while also educating for them. Because, you know, it was interesting to be in this sort of adult role that wasn't their parent or sibling. But it was also like seeing people in that time in their lives over and over and over again help me to kind of recognize how very little control we have over any of this. You know, like looking at 16 and 17 year olds, you're like, most of that is hormone. If you can get cut through any of the testosterone, estrogen or progesterone or what other other growth hormones are going through their bodies at that point, if they hear you at all, you have done a miracle. And now watching people who are slightly older, you know, I, I don't have any kind of skin in that game in terms of like, I'm just like, oh, like you're all so sweet, even if you are like terrible liars or, you know, <laughs> like just like, oh, yeah, I like to go out and fuck. I totally want to. Oh, yeah, I want to get some dick. <laughs> and it's like all of us, if we woke up tomorrow and we were tens, would go out and abuse the fuck out of that power. <laughs> it would be impossible not to because everyone who looks at you is like, yeah, I'm fuck you. Yeah, I'm gonna f you know, like, and it's hard to not respond to that with like, okay, sure, because why not? And what everyone wants to be is fuckable, you know, and, and I'm it. So like, I gotta be it. But it's all, it never ceases to amuse me when we get about four episodes in, when they start cracking and they're all like, oh, my best friend betrayed me. My dad wasn't there. All the other, and you're like, yeah, exactly. That's what it means to be a human being. And you were probably a weird kid before you became a beautiful one. And in some ways, being over sexual is a defense mechanism, you know, to actually ever letting someone know you. And now you're in a position where someone actually might get to know you. And that's far riskier than anything you've ever done at or after a club. And so it is really heartwarming to see them all reduced to just being people with lots of fears and insecurities and bad habits and other people being kind of like, it's okay because we're all messed up too, you know, like especially right in the middle of it. Like I think 
that's the part that gets me, you know, every time when we do it. It's there's something quite healing about it in a way, especially because I, I have to watch it over and over again in the voiceover booth as we do various things. I just I just look at them as like sweet kids who are trying to figure it out while also getting like a million Instagram followers or whatever, <laughs> I, you know, like because I just think to me, it's hard not to see the like sweetness underneath of like someone who actually is quite needy. It's nice to see that raw humanity underneath them because these are all the people that we thought like owned us in high school or something, you know, like they were all just like, oh, I'm never going to be that. And we, you know, you either covet that, you hate that, or you're trying to like maintain the illusion of that. And like, that is nothing, you know. That's what's so interesting, I think, by the end is you're like, these are lovely people and at the beginning you kind of maybe hate them a little bit yeah and totally. then by the end you're like oh my god they all come out and you're like yeah you're kind of scummy <laughs> or just like not even scummy just kind of like the worst person in the pub like that you see yeah we're just like oh you're the people who the like shitty vip room is for like you're the people <laughs> who are like dancing in thongs on top of tables and getting bottle service and like that's why there needs to be a bouncer and this club needs to be annoying so so yeah, it is nice to see that veneer get stripped away. I hope it allows people to remember that we're all human no matter what we look like, but you never want to be too hopeful. But also sometimes it's just hot people snogging and that's quite fun too. That is quite fun. Yeah. Is there anything you've learned about relationships from doing the show? From doing that show? Um, no is a valid answer. Here. Yeah. <laughs> If that's what I don't feel. know that I learned this from the show, but it's definitely been reinforced like the importance of time and waiting it out. Like you see a lot of panic at the disco, <laughs> a lot of freaking out and then a lot of like rushing to do things because I've got to do this now. And, you know, you see it resolved two episodes later and you're like, you know, you can do all of that struggle and strife and hurt yourself and others or you could just wait. And I get that for these people, they're probably on this island for like two, three weeks, you know, max. And this is all cut together over, you know, to look like a series of days. But I imagine it's a few weeks, you know, and it's kind of like a showmance, you know, where it's like all of these intense emotions and whatnot happen, you know, during the the length of the rehearsals and the run of the show. And then those things sort of like dissipate at the end, you know, like context is very important. Yeah, like I think just the time, a lot of things will resolve themselves when people are able to walk away think about it and come back or just like time passes and people kind of forget about things that's great advice just for life like all situations i'm so bad at waiting i'm a very like let's just do it now person and as i've got older i'm learning i think we're all I'm, well it's very areas of you but also i think we're all <laughs> yeah. bad at waiting yeah a lot of times when you just want to like fly up in someone's face and be like now now i need an answer now how can we not blah, 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 now blah, 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 blah. and it's just like this is going to feel different tomorrow it's going to feel different in 2 days and all the problems that you have aren't real problems when you give them enough air to breathe and go like, oh, this was just some part of my ego that needed to be heard. And so I created a problem where there wasn't one. It's beautiful to be able to see that with these people in real time, like and watch it happen over and over, where it's just like time will tell. But I think that that is wisdom from a bygone era that we need to try to relearn somehow. Definitely. 
If anyone's listening and they can really relate to your story, do you have any words of wisdom or advice for anyone going through that now? I mean, I think it's related to the last thing we said time. Some of it is time that you're just living and it's just going to take time and you have to allow for that. Like I was in that relationship for four years. I needed the better part of one just to start to be able to feel things again because I'd had to really bury feeling in order to survive in that relationship in general. And that's also something that that has been echoed in my upbringing and otherwise. So there's time, but also undistracted time. You can only process things in space, you know, and you need to create like space time, right? And so you need time that you're not forcing yourself to work or otherwise be distracted to actually feel the things. And the thing is, you're going to feel them. There's no point in trying to outrun them. In fact, you do yourself a favor and save more time in the end if you let yourself feel the things now or soon. But everyone processes differently. But I think that many of us will find whatever our favorite distractions are. And that's valid. That's valid. That's important. Give yourself that because the shit hurts. But then at some point, you kind of can have enough space to go, okay, I can feel these things. And yeah, I what I would have loved to have been able to give to myself in 2018 was more space in between work and trying to be everybody's everything on every panel show and other thing in the world to just go, oh, yeah, that's right. A major sort of uh, rupture has happened in my life. And if I don't feel good, that means that my body and psyche is working because this probably shouldn't feel good. So, yeah, I think that if you can make that time, carve that time out for yourself, it might be the better part of a year of you sitting there trying to meditate and just sobbing instead. But whatever it is. It's there. It's real. It needs to, you know, come out. You know, it needs to be seen. It needs to be heard so that it can kind of like fly away. Anyway, sorry, I could go off on a tangent, but I, I No, just, I love no. it. And I, when you said we distract ourselves with our favorite distractions, I was like nodding along because I was like, yeah, mine are work and sex. And that is definitely yeah. what I did. I just threw yeah. myself into both of those things. And that's a valid thing to do for a while. If you are aware that you are doing it, I think it's a little bit better. You know, because at some point the awareness means that you're going to get sick of yourself doing it and then yeah. you're going to actually institute the changes that need to be made. But if you're not aware and you're just like, this is the right thing to do. What do you mean? I got to get back on that wagon because that's how you meet the person of your dreams. And that's the only goal I have in my life. Then, yeah, you got to start from like, you know, <laughs> square one. I mean, I was definitely in that for a while, but then <laughs> the realization came. Which yeah, is the important bit. Great. How did the realization come? Did you just wake up with it one day or was there someone who helped facilitate? I think I, I got annoyed with myself. Yeah. Because I was like, no, I should be working loads. Work is what I love. This is all I need. And then I was like, I should be having loads of sex because I love myself and my body and sex and that's fine. And then I slowly started to realize, I think as I got bored of just sleeping with people and not having a conversation with them, that I was like, oh, this isn't really what I want. Like it was fun. I'm glad I did it. But now I know that I'm doing this because I'm avoiding feelings. Yeah. But like, I also feel I'm also a big advocate for doing that. Like, 
there is a time of life for everyone, particularly every woman, to go and do that. We don't necessarily get to do that. And it's part of how you figure out what you want and who you are. Like, unfortunately, for better or for worse. And I came out as bisexual, like, after my divorce. And then I could have, you know, fun times and, like, sexual experiences with women. And so I am glad I did it because it did help me get closer to me. But I definitely, you know, was ignoring a a lot of feelings. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been a joy. Absolute pleasure. Where can people follow you online and buy your things? Please come and follow me. Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at DesTheRay, D-E-S-T-H-E-R-A-Y. You can go to my YouTube page, which is like slash Desiree Birch. Um, Super simple. Or you can go to my website, which is DesireeBirch.com. That's Birch, uh, like church, uh, but with a B, like so not like the tree you know what i mean <laughs> love it people spell my name wrong all over the place and i'm just like well you're never gonna find me that way <laughs> same i mean same but no definitely check out desiree she's one of my favorite comedians i have to say i think oh, you're Samantha, hilarious you're so. wonderful thank you so much no worries. it's so wonderful to see you again too and to see you happy i think the last time i saw you we were doing radio over in east london and it was before your divorce yeah. So I haven't seen you like in person and in conversation since before the end. And I'm glad to see you've come through the other side like a phoenix. It is beautiful to watch. Thank you so much. And I'm wearing a red jumper today just to emphasize the phoenix. Yep. Emphasize your fire. You got it. Also, I tried to dye my hair red, but I have black hair, so it didn't really work. So now I'm just like slightly red if I stand under a lamp. Yes. (laughs) When when the sun is shining that 15 (laughs) minutes of the day, if you go out, everyone's like, oh, there's a red tinge. Yeah. But (laughs) I know that I have phoenix hair, so that's all that matters. Yeah, that really is all that matters. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. 
please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing, the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.